0: Welcome to the Living It Up podcast. To a Thursday episode of the Living It Up podcast, the Thursday after the Open Championship where newly crowned champion golfer of the year, Cam Smith, just went out and got it. This is Brian. I'm joined by my co-host, George. Let's jump right into it. George, is Cam Smith the greatest putter in the world?
1: Yeah. I mean, I
0: think borrowing the,
1: the meme of the week, you'd say he's got that dog in him. Uh, <laughs> he, he, he does. Uh, he went out and just put on the, a clinic. And, you know, after watching him on Saturday, we, you've seen Cam enough. And one of the things that makes him compelling to me is he is – when he's on, you recognize this guy can't be beat. But you've seen him implode. So you're just waiting, waiting. Is he going to light him fire? Is it going to happen? And I, I thought for sure in front of that bunker on the 17th, when I saw the putter come out, I was holding my breath, uh, thinking just whatever you do, just get out of here with a bogey. You can birdie 18, get to a playoff. I I did not have the the highest of. I, I was filled with dread, and he just stepped up and he did it, and he left himself, you know, a 10 footer which for him is, you know, on that day was basically a three-footer yeah. for the rest of us, and gutted it and walked right up, birdied uh, 18 to leave no doubt,
0: and was on his way. Yeah, I mean, your, your heart goes out to Rory, a close call, certainly the media darling and the expected winner of, of, that, of that event going into the Sunday final round. I agree with you that there was that moment on 17 where you start to think, man, I- I've seen people putt this in the practice rounds. I've seen people do really, really bad things, putting it into bunkers, putting it Rory's you know, done well it. off the green. And so that, that that's where it all hung in the balance. And, like, one guy delivered two putts from an, an almost impossible spot from behind that road hole bunker. And Rory comes up short on a, on a must-make birdie putt on 17. And it just shows you, you know, golf's a game of inches, but that's why we love it. And I want to take a minute here to address this Rory –
1: thing that the press was kind of not since Hillary Clinton lost in 2016. <laughs> Have you seen the press sit there and act like they just watched a dog get hit in traffic? I. I it was like they, they sat there and is we can't believe this is over. I feel so gutted. I'm so empty. And I'm watching this thinking, why this is what Rory has done for the last eight years he is Mr. Backdoor top 10 top five in majors yeah
0: yeah the interesting part was this was not the backdoor top 10 like you see a backdoor two at, at the Masters of the 64 on Sunday this was that that you know he ought to be the front runner you were thinking it was either him or or certainly Victor Hovland in the last round you, you kind of had a feeling that you know cam both cams were maybe too far back But then, but then, you know, that's that's why you love golf because uh, this is what this is what happens. And and I agree with you. It's like they were so gutted. And and I go back to like, man, that's how that's how golf is. Like that's why we love it is because the stuff that should happen doesn't happen. And 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 the wild card.
1: Yeah. Again, though, this is the thing. That's who this guy is now. That that's he was exactly who he has been all along, and you're correct you watch those early rounds go out and it was a birdie fest and even you look at cam's round he should have been at like 22 under oh there were some opportunities on the front that he let slip by i agree total great looks and rory kind of similarly to cam's front nine just burnt edges. Oh, I
0: Wasn't mean, thirty to hit, 18, hit it, to hit eighteen greens and have thirty six putts. That's a uh, that's weekend golfer stuff right there. And so I think we can all we can all relate in that regard. So I, I agree with you. It was a little much from the media fawning over the uh, the loss. I was super impressed by both Cam Smith and Cam Young. I mean, talk about a a young guy just going out there and asserting himself once again in a major. So that's a big bright spot for for him. Uh, finishing second alone with that eagle on the eighteenth. But I think we could go down the leaderboard. I mean, this is the Living It Up podcast. Let's talk about the live guys and how they did. You know, DJ kind of a factor in the mix for the weekend, but sputters. You know, still a top ten, a good showing, um, but but didn't quite have his best and never really, never really asserted himself. Some guys that maybe not a lot of people know. I didn't know him till till you picked him to win in Portland, George, uh, Sodom, Kankanjawa. Finishes tied eleven. Also, Abe answer tied eleven. You know, guys like Gooch and Westwood, kind of a factor early, faded a bit, tied for thirty fourth. Both of them, Bryson, another one with a really strong back nine on Sunday to rally for was, a t eight. So I think did you know, Bryson play.
1: I didn't. I didn't see him. It, yeah. Was he oh, there? I didn't, I didn't
0: was... see DJ either on the broadcast at all. Yeah. It, it was a funny thing that you know, even guys that were probably you know, you'd call them anti live media types had to chuckle that. Bryce and DJ barely got any airtime unless they were maybe lipping out a par putt uh, on the broadcast. And,
1: and I, I think seeing, and, and this is driving me where the media is, is following the PGA tours lead on this, which I think is a huge failing of the media because I don't want to say they're making the live guys sympathetic characters, but
0: it literally now is, this is just turning into petty wars. And oh, I, I agree. I think the RNA made Greg a sympathetic character by disinviting him to all the festivities. I think they're making all these guys like at least want to band together. It's almost like doubling, making them double down on their commitment to this decision they've made. Correct. And it's, in the public, I
1: think even in the, the sphere of public opinion, it's going to backfire. And it is backfiring because you see the narrative and the route of attack is constantly changing. Uh, and I, I equate that just from my, my legal experience in litigation, if you've got the good argument, you just keep plowing forward with that until someone chips away at you and you've got to change course the tour and the media and you know all of jay's useful idiots continue they take attack and it's not working so then they change it and this week it's changed if you pull up the leaderboard for the 3m
0: its headline says golf that matters <laughs> Oh, yeah. People are pumped right now about the 3M. That leaderboard <laughs> is just stock full of not a lot of good players. I, I, I mean,
1: maybe if I'm bored on Sunday afternoon and you know, I, we've got a, a group chat of a bunch of knuckleheads that like golf, and if something pops up where someone's like, hey, we've got like a five-way tie for the lead, we're going to get some free golf, and it's going to be you know, a rodeo to finish it end, I'll tune in, but otherwise if I watch 20 minutes of it this week, that will be probably because I was in an airport flying home.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and I think that's, it's interesting to like juxtapose that again, that this golf that matters against like, again, the the news, the moment the final putts dropped at the open was turned back toward live. It's turned back toward these rumors about, you know, who's next, who's, who's jumping, I think the rumors we heard all week were guys like Cam Smith, Mark Leishman, Adam Scott. There's this rumor of an all Aussie team rumors of Tommy Fleetwood, a guy that actually finished T fourth, uh, great weekend, 66, 67 on the weekend uh, to finish tied for fourth. There's rumors he may make the jump. And I kind of look at it as if you look at the current FedEx cup standings, you'd sort of look at like the top 60, 70, 80 guys, like, they have a financial incentive to absolutely spend the next month trying to get as much money as they can. They want to continue on. They want to make the tour championship. They want to see how much they can sort of like get from, from the FedEx cup. And so it makes no sense for them to perhaps jump now. If you're down further on the list, if you're, if you're something like 80 plus uh, you may consider going sooner rather than later. I look at guys like a Ricky Fowler at 129. he's been often rumored interesting name to consider. Harry Higgs fan favorite number 142 doesn't have the form that he had last year, this year. Does he see the money dangling out there and assume like, Hey man, I, I better get this while I can, you know, the, the names that actually filled out the field for this upcoming event in Bedminster, not names. I had, I had expected some of them, uh, you know, Chucky three sticks was not one that I had on the bingo card. Uh, but Charles Howe, you know, jumped at the chance to, uh, to continue to be perhaps the the, the biggest bag getter of all time
1: right and and i saw some guys on twitter jump in pointing out the significance of him and you do wonder we ha- i have to believe who live is going after there is some strategic thought process here mm-hmm. and howell and one of the guys on twitter pointed out that Howell is actually really significant because he is the poster child for for longevity and consistency. $42 million
0: in career earnings.
1: And 20th pays well too, right? Like Kevin Kisner's famous line, 20th pays real well too. If these guys who have had, I mean, Charles Howell should be the absolute number. He should be the one up front being pro tour, eating all the arrows that Rory's had to take because he's had the greatest life ever of somebody that no one's heard about for a very long time.
0: Yeah. He he reminds me of the famous adage. You don't want to be rich and famous. You want to be rich and anonymous. I mean, that guy could walk through the streets and, and very, very, very few people to no one would, would know who this guy is. No. I mean, you're a hundred percent right there. And, for him to go it
1: signals to these other guys wait a minute I, if he's going maybe i really should be looking at this because yeah you know, we talk about all these players are making so much money and it's all because of tiger the, the super duper stars were always going to be the super duper stars and always make a bunch of money regardless obviously because of what tiger did for the tour they they make more than they would have in a world where Tiger never existed. But guys like Charles Howell would never, they would have career earnings of 4.2 million for his longevity, not 42 million. And Mm -hmm. for him to say, all right, tour, I'm, I'm out of here is pretty startling because, and I'm not super familiar with how the tour works with guys of his, longevity if he is now a if he has a lifetime exemption because he's you know spent literally the last 15 years in the top 70 or whatever at a certain point do they just say hey, you're, I, I, you're yeah forever.
0: i i tend to look at him he's 43 years old just turned 43 um you know he in his like mid 40s late 40s this is always that weird period of time for for journeyman or not journeymen but long time professional golfers like what exemptions continue to keep them relevant till they would get to the champions tour. He definitely meets all those wickets around like career money list, number of cuts you've made, blah, blah, blah. Like he, he could play the PGA tour until the age of 50 and then just dance onto the champions tour for sure. Given all all that he's done. And again, you're exactly right. Like as this kind of poster child, uh, it is significant. And, And that's where I would turn to the, uh, to the next guy that is massively significant in the, in the world of golf and certainly the world of international team golf, Henrik Stenson much rumored uh, confirms that he's jumping to live. The confirmation comes courtesy of the, uh, the Euro Ryder cup, uh, Twitter and social accounts saying that his uh, captaincy has ended effective immediately. Uh, Henrik puts out a statement today, yesterday, talking about how, you know, he had actually carved out with live this idea of, maintaining his captaincy like they would allow him to to fulfill all those obligations etc etc but hey what do you think about this one george how significant is henrik when you consider both who he is right recent major champion a few years back won the open championship over phil mickelson and and sort of a perennial Ryder cup drama maker and certainly the the captain coming up next year he's for the for the captaincy He's, he's significant.
1: But and I, I again going back to the strategy who they're picking when they're bringing them. I feel like he's he's significant not because of his compelling play. Um, and it is one of those things where these guys that have jumped this week that were announced it's it's a double-edged sword for Liv. There's there's symbolic there's symbolic value to them because of who they are in their respective spheres but at the same time it also really helps put wind back in the sails of everyone who says is this even really good these guys are all washed who's no one good is going what are we doing here are we are we really going to watch i mean it's i wouldn't say and I, I'll use the Champions Tour as a perfect example. No one really turns into the t- tunes into the Champions Tour, and Live has sort of almost. If you look at a lot of the guys, and then I'll, I'll use the names, the air quote names. If you took DJ Brooks, D we'll we'll put answer in that group. Taylor Gooch, that's five of 48 out of it. You know, there's 13 guys no one's ever heard of in there. And then the other names, Oosthays and Westwood, um, I, and I, I'm blanking on some. We'll add Stenson into that group. Mickelson, isn't this really, if they're not careful, isn't it sort of turning into... I don't want to say the JV senior tour, but a a weird limbo between
0: the PGA heyday and
1: your time to go on the senior tour.
0: Yeah, like I said, that that like that time between your 40th birthday and your 50th birthday can be a very like very tricky in-between spot for a lot of these guys, the Pat Perez's of the world, right? They almost have like, you know, they're losing distance that's tough for them to keep up, blah, blah, blah. So that is absolutely a narrative that that could that could take shape over time, if the, if I think Live is not strategic about getting young guns, getting guys that are still super competitive, on the on the big boy events. And I think we saw that, like I said, running down the, the leaderboard of guys that played well at the Open. These are guys that I don't think are necessarily in that limbo uh, period, but it is a, a real thing where th- that age forty to fifty is is a tricky time. Right, and going back to Stenson what I'm
1: curious about for him. And I, I think his significance is probably the pressure it's going to put on the Euro tour. I have consistently believed that the, the member room over there is probably having a much, much different conversation than the member room is in Ponte uh, the, the, the the Euro Tour has in large part always been the younger brother to the PGA. It and it probably always will be. I don't know that there's any way to change per se, but if these guys who are such a huge piece of the European Ryder Cup fabric and as much as we get excited for the Ryder cup, as much as we go, you know, it's become a very big raucous thing here in the States. I don't think it carries nearly the same weight and value here that it does there. And if they're going to exclude and ice, these guys who have been so important for such a big event, because again, if you go back, European tour plays little brother to the U.S. tour, but when the Ryder Cup comes around, there there have been huge stretches where the Europeans have dominated us, and it's been their oh, moment yeah. to shine and say, "We're not little brother." And this, if if for some reason, and I think. Time will tell on this. I think Peli and the European tour may have to take a really hard look. I don't think they're going to walk back taking the captaincy from Stenson. I think they're going to have to take a hard look, though, on depending what comes next uh, with the live players and who goes and who stays if they have to walk that stance back um, because John Rahm came out publicly and said he'd be really upset if Sergio is not allowed on the team. Um, there's a there's a whole lot of golf between now and the Ryder Cup. In, is it, it's next year in Rome, right? So yep. one could argue, would Sergio even play himself into a position to make the team?
0: Yeah, you'd um, argue like Ian Poulter, Westwood, he, Casey, they may be on that conversation of if they're informed, do they deserve, uh, you know, again, hypothetically, if Liv didn't exist, right? Would they have rounded into form and gotten a captain selection? Perhaps. They have enough experience where that would be a strong consideration for the captain to make. Correct. And more importantly, you look at those guys and –
1: obviously you had to have imagined for the, you know, what it would be the 2025 Ryder cup. That was going to be Westwoods probably.
0: Yeah. as a captain. And eventually Poulter and eventually Sergio. Right. Correct. And you, if you're going to say,
1: and, and I think this is where I say that this, this, this choice is really, really short-sighted. Is you're almost saying we're erasing all this legacy that
0: you have done? Yeah. I, I what, is their, the, hi, what is their their highlight package look like when they, uh, when they, when they go to, go to next year? Yeah, they they, they are
1: literally going to have to pretend these guys never existed, and that's just stupid. It there's no value to that. Yeah. And again, and the more important thing, looking to the DP World Tour where I think they've just really missed a huge opportunity to raise their profile is from the jump, Greg has been very open saying that he reached out to the PGA tour, that he reached out to the DP tour that he wanted to figure out how can we work together? How can, Mm -hmm. how can we fit in and be a piece? Now, granted, he does want to see himself as a premier piece, so
0: yeah, that, thats what I think. Struts is like what one of them wants to be the big brother to the other little brother, and so that that creates this like untenable pissing match between between Greg and Jay. And this is where I've said I've said to you, and I'd be curious to get your thoughts. Like, does that make Keith Pelly the uh, you know the the guy that can? Kind of be the third party that can come broker a deal, and maybe that's how it has to happen. Well, I think from his standpoint, in either scenario, you're still little brother. Yeah, but there, he's already little no... brother to the PGA. He's either little brother to the PGA Tour or live, and that's the choice that he'll maybe be forced to make.
1: Correct. And so, if you're going to be little brother in either scenario, which one is the better little brother? And yeah. I, I think, without question. Had and going back to it a little bit, they he their ban isn't nearly as comprehensive and full throated as oh, they, yeah, they they, they banned them from the, the co sanctioned events, correct? So he's left himself a little wiggle room. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, no. I think he probably would have been well served to. Take a minute, and when when Stenson announced and it came out to say we we understand this, we're we're going to have to take a conversation within ourselves to decide where we fall on this. You know, a lot of things are moving up quickly, and we don't want to overreact. Um, which, you know, you look at what has happened with some of these events. The we we talked about previously the the open completely mishandled the the norman live situation from a pr standpoint when you saw how the broadcast went down it was clear that they either had talked to nbc or there there were discussions that we understand they're here but we want to do as much as possible to not show them we want to shun and put them away they paired them up together they they did all these again petty things Mm -hmm. and the meanwhile the the group that's in my opinion so far has handled it the absolute best has been Augusta and the Masters because they just stayed quiet they're (laughs) just what I have to
0: assume is they're just letting this play out and... I, I, agree. I agree. And I think because they have a seat on that OWGR board, whatever it's called, I have to imagine they're waiting for the opportunity to have that come to a decision point. And I don't know when that is. That's the one thing I have not heard confirmation of like how their decision making criteria is set or how often they meet or when when they'd have to weigh in on the, the, the live application for OWGR points. Um, so that's to me one that I I'd love for uh, the hashtag media to do a little more digging and come up with some, uh, some, some more concrete details there. Cause I think that's a huge linchpin for what they ultimately may do. Right. For sure.
1: And the, you go back to February and I, I was seeing some stuff on Twitter now, cause everyone's now focusing on the masters. Cause that's the next major. that so Everyone talks about the majors, the majors and already Twitter people on Twitter are saying well you know they did tell Phil not to come but if you go back and look Fred Ridley's comments where we we talked to Phil we did not tell him not to come we did not disinvite Mm -hmm. him we did not take away his you know exemption to play and I I personally think you're not going to hear a word from Augusta until invitations go out yeah what is, is that in like December the end of the year I, I think it's, it's like December. the end of the year yeah and candidly you may not hear a word they may mail out their invitations you may not hear a word from them until people show up for practice rounds on the Monday of master's week when I suspect they will sit down they will host a very well orchestrated PR and question and answer thing. And I suspect because they are Augusta and they make any rule they want and everybody you know, respects and follows, they're going to tell the media what they can and cannot ask about. And they may say, we're going to have a question and answer period from 1 to 1.03 p.m. on Monday afternoon and you can ask all the live questions you want. We'll answer the ones we want. And you are not permitted to ask us or players about it again.
0: And everyone's just going to have to play along. Exactly. Cause it's their party and they can take away your invite anytime they want, whether you're a, uh, a player, a patron or press. Absolutely. So I, I think they are, and I, I've
1: said it uh, on, on the Twitter stuff, talking to some guys, you know, Fred Ridley, by just staying quiet, being smart, being thoughtful, is now the most powerful voice in golf. He's not going to waste it. And whatever comes out of this, I assure without question, the answer and the thing will be thoughtful. It will probably be Well respected, even if people don't like it, they're gonna say, "Okay, we understand. You guys took your time, you did this, and it is absolutely going to be the most beneficial decision for Augusta." Yeah, for sure. And he's not gonna
0: care.
1: uh... He's not gonna care if it benefits Jay. He's not gonna care if it benefits the RNA. He's not going to care if it benefits the USGA. I don't think he will do anything to harm them or diminish them. But I, I have very little misconception as to his number one focus.
0: No, I, I totally agree with that. I think going back to we started this kind of segment with Henrik Stenson and all the implications of that. It, it opened to me what was always a a frequent question, which is like, hey, this is a week and it means a lot historically, but it's not a week that the players are getting paid. And I know in the in the mid '90s, I think Hunter Hunter Mahan and and even like Mark O'Mara and some guys were very vocal about this. Like, hey man, like we don't make a lot of money, and yet the PGA Tour and the DP world tour and, and all of these other organizations on the, on the, on the Ryder cup side, that's the PGA of America on the president's cup side. That's the PGA tour, but like that's their windfall. And so we were doing a little bit digging, apparently a, a golf.com article came in 2021 talked about, you know, now players on the U S side get $200,000 donated to their name or donated to charity in their name. Half of that goes to essentially youth development, like first tee, etc. cetera. The other half designated by the player. But on the Euro side, not, not paid to participate, of course, they're gonna get travel and lodging and all that sort of stuff. But like not paid to participate, they just get like a gift, which was like a, a personalized Rolex in, in the past. And, and, it's, and it's opened up this, again, discussion around payment and like market rates. And like, it's no secret that when these guys show up to do, uh, you know, shake hands and take selfies, like they're making tens of thousands, sometimes even $100,000 to spend a day of their time with, you know, a big organization. And yet, they are for many, many years. They've been the 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 sort of un, unpaid or, in this case, underpaid labor to these big organizations raking in a ton of of money. Yeah, and
1: there's never going to be a good answer for that. Um, from the, the Ryder Cup is, and interestingly enough, I mean, for the longest time, the Ryder Cup was effectively the Olympics of golf to make the Ryder Cup team meant you had reached the pinnacle as long as you were born here or somewhere in continental Europe. Um, And then the the President's Cup came into be because it became clear that the Ryder Cup, and I mean, oddly enough, now that we're here with Liv, I think the whole existence of the President's Cup is in large part due to Greg Norman. He was the number one player in the world for how many years
0: but, but, but could never could play not... the Ryder Cup until you uh, changed criteria in some way
1: right and so they created the President's Cup to bring in the U.S. against the world except the world didn't include continental Europe yeah so I I think I, I don't ever as a, and if we back up to exactly who we are and what we are we're golf fans and the Ryder Cup is the best golf every two years. I would, I will watch nearly every minute of the Ryder cup. I can't say I'm going to watch every minute of a major. So all these things about the money and the griping and all this stuff. I also don't have a ton of sympathy because the, the point system and the way you play yourself into a Ryder cup team is basically taken over a two year playing period. And mm-hmm. if you've played yourself into the Ryder Cup in today's yeah, then, you get, then you've got all the
0: extra promotional opportunities and sponsorship mm-hmm. opportunities that come with it. I, I, I get that argument completely. It just to me yeah. opens up another line of questioning around like who gets paid and how, which has, you know, been a lot of the live discussion. And I, and I think we could pivot that a little bit. It actually goes in line with the president's cup. Another name that continues to be widely uh, you know, circulated and not denied is Sadeki Matsuyama. And he would be just a windfall if you think about, you know, the, the the Japanese market, and certainly I would argue, like almost like the the you know Asia Asia golf fan market would be really really excited to see Hideki. And there's rumors of a strict on, you know, sponsorship of the team, and that that begs the question of what other sponsors may be coming for other teams, whether those are other manufacturers, et cetera. Um, so I think there's continued rumors around that, but I but I'd put a bow on Hideki by saying. Hideki, like Cam Smith, like Adam Scott, like Mark Leishman, is likely to wait until the President's Cup, right? He's probably going to play out this PGA Tour FedEx Cup season, play the President's Cup, and perhaps the day uh, after that, they would announce, and they've got three more live events that they can participate in this year, and then all of next year's season. Right, and didn't you say there's a there's an Asian live event on the horizon? There is, yeah, there is. So we've got, um, gosh, let me look at the event. Uh, they've got Bangkok October 7th to 9th and then we go to Jeddah mid-october the next week and the final is two weeks later the last week in Miami Trump Doral so you you've got to believe he's likely
1: to announce ahead of Bangkok yep uh, he'll that, they'll be playing in his time zone the the because to their credit live keeps dribbling these, additions out
0: and a point for maximum mm-hmm. value impacts can yeah just consistent impact consistent conversations
1: so for him I, I would suspect he probably announces then um i think the really interesting thing being discussed is these sponsorships it's starting to get leaked and i i will say leaked in air quotes twitter is always hard to know what's what's a leak and what's just uh someone throwing shit against the wall and see if it gets traction um, that, Hey, this is how it's going to work. You know, we have the goal is to sell these things. And someone was saying that live thinks each team is worth a billion dollars and that the, the players own 25% of the team and they can allocate that among the team members, however they want. So if, if that becomes the thing, one of the, all the, a lot of names you mentioned earlier in rumors, there is one club manufacturer that is prominently tied to a lot of rumored names and TaylorMade one has a number of players already there. There's a number of players already rumored. If you go to TaylorMade's website, DJ is still sitting right next to Tiger in all of their promo stuff. They're running Tiger, ad, I mean, DJ adds, um, you mentioned Fleetwood. He's a tailor-made guy. Ricky has a ball deal with tailor-made. Uh, Matt, Wolf, example, tailor-made
0: guy. Yeah. Matt
1: Wolf's tailor-made guy. Um, Matt Wolf's tailor-made. And Harry Higgs is a tailor-made guy. I have no idea if Harry's been asked or anything else, but the the reality is like you start to see these things and are, are these going to be where these teams come from and these club manufacturers get into it, and if if these teams and maybe Srixon, again, we talk about dominoes that fall and what they mean. If if Srixon does come in and sponsor the Japanese team, and you know their team Srixon, one, God bless Srixon for simply just getting rid of one of the stupid names of these teams. So that in and of itself <laughs> will be well received by the golf world. But two it then shows sponsors aren't afraid of these guys. Sponsors aren't afraid to be tied to this thing. And if sponsors aren't afraid to be tied to this thing, then we, I, I keep saying Jay's got a problem, but then Jay's got a real problem. Because he's then got sponsors who have choices. Right now, sponsors don't have choices. They have Jay. And if these sponsors have a choice, then he's
0: got a real problem. Yeah. And if they've got better media rights on, on one tour versus the other for all their guys, and they don't have all the restrictions that come with the PGA tours releases for this event and that event, and this shoot, like that gets really attractive to somebody that just wants to sell merchandise and sell a lot of golf clubs and a lot of golf balls.
1: And, and it goes back to the way the product's being delivered. It's being delivered by YouTube and streaming and, I think regardless of what the future broadcast of live takes on, I don't think they ever leave the digital platform because the amount of data that they're going to be able to collect from users and people participating. And I know a lot of golf viewers are stodgy and anti this, but we talked about it very on. Anyone under 25, they get, they are, just as comfortable, if not more comfortable, gathering their entertainment from the internet or YouTube or something else. So if we're looking 10 years down the road, Liv is grabbing that real estate way
0: before anyone else catches up to it. Yeah, 100%. I think I think the last thing that I would talk about, and I know we've been talking about kind of rumors and speculation, is there's one piece that's kind of interesting, and it goes back to a point that we've made about, hey, the product could use a little polish in, in this regard, and it's around the broadcast team. Two big pieces of that puzzle were filled in. Uh, David Faraday leaving NBC, where he had, I would say, a very minor role in the broadcast of late uh, to bring some much-needed experience, and, and I'd say fan affinity to the live broadcast team. And, and the other one, you know, kind of golf adjacent, but but uh, a name we're all familiar with, obviously, through the NBA and his broadcasting of the recent match series, uh, Sir Charles Barkley just had a sit-down meeting with, with uh, Greg Norman yesterday in Atlanta. Apparently, he's signed up to play the Pro-Am in Bedminster, expects a uh, an offer imminently. So what say you, George, about these two additions to the Live Broadcast team that, that appear likely?
1: I mean, I think it's great. It's... It continues to buttress their product. It will make it better. I Charles will bring eyeballs. Is, is Charles going to be a good color guy for golf um, in these tournaments over three days? It's yet to be seen. Is he great? when he's doing the match and they're bringing in phone of friends and he's chopping it up with, you know, all these superstars from yeah. outside the golf world and he has this banter and this thing about him. Uh, yeah. That's fantastic. Is it going to translate into being, and I, and I don't know where he would fall because David Faraday arguably sort of becomes the Nick Valdo, Paul Azinger type voice in the booth, um, you know, that we everyone sort of people have their positions on faldo um and and so i think that lends a lot of credibility i think that lends some depth to the broadcast and will make it better yeah Uh, i think
0: one thing that i would point to is like i think both guys can do the off-air stuff really well i think faraday lends himself with his you know faraday show and interviews like he, he he can sit down and, and have a heart to heart with guys. He can get he can get teary with with some of the guys at times, but he's gonna he's gonna have some compelling sort of like outside of the round content. And I'd argue Charles could do the same. There could be, you know, things during the pro ams uh, where Charles is kind of yucking it up and to your point, maybe having a little more off the cuff, you know, celebrities and all these sort of, you know, you know, yuck it up moments. Um, so I think it, it both bolsters the during course during round coverage but also like everything outside and adjacent to it gets stronger in my opinion right and and so what'll be interesting and for both those guys they
1: for their i guess i don't want to say shtick but but for their input for their comedy and they really are kind of there for comedy Mm -hmm. um to work is they they fill in the space between shots. Yep. Someone hits a shot. Faraday has a witty comment. He talks about it. You know, we're coming into a shot like, boy, this guy's got this. This reminds me of this time. And one of the things that live has not done in their broadcasting currently is they don't really let it breathe. They, they have aired on the side of we're just shot, going shot, to... shot, shot, shots. Yep. We're going to blitz you with golf. And it's a refreshing change, but I don't think it's sustainable because it's hard to convey the moment when your leader is hitting a shot and that's meaningful, and then we're going to show somebody who's 15 strokes out five seconds later hitting Mm -hmm. a shot. And then we're going to go. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how this helps the broadcast evolve Yeah, um, because they, on the surface, these are potentially very big gets. Will they translate into and be maximized for what they can do to enhance the broadcast is yet to be seen. And that that's really the big the big question here for the production team with Liv. Obviously, NBC could not figure out how to best use parity which is a little crazy considering he's been a known quantity in the broadcast world for at least 15, 20 years. Uh, so I'm I'm really curious. And as you mentioned with the off the course stuff, if he can bring back his sparity interviews and you know his insight into the game, and it could be a weekly show on YouTube, I I would watch that.
0: Yeah. No, I think that's a good a good way to to maybe cap that off. I, I do have high hopes for not just the the broadcast, but all the stuff in between. And if we want to create drama and context in a way that you know f1 has done with with their documentaries and things of that nature like i think you need some really credible voices to help you know credible voices and folks that have a following that have that have credibility in that space and so i think that's a good way to 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 end it on that i'll maybe end too with this uh, coming up next week trump edminster uh up in new jersey Uh, maybe there's some uh some on-site hashtag content we might bring you Stay tuned for that. George, this has been a fun one, and we will see exactly where and when we're coming to you with a preview next week. Well, if, if the weather on the East Coast doesn't get better,
1: I'm not leaving California. <laughs> I'm just, I'll just figure out a way to stay out here for an extra week until that heat goes away, because that looks awful.
0: Yeah, it is heat stroke territory. I'm trying to stay in the AC as much as possible during the, the middle part of the day. So have fun in California, safe travels back when you do decide to, to make it back to the sweltering East Coast. All right, take it easy. See you. Thanks for listening to the Living It Up podcast. Follow us on the Twitters at Living It Up Pod. See you there.